Hello everyone and welcome back! Here we are with Season 3 of Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I am your host, Charlie Chappell, and before we get into who we're going to speak with today, I just want to thank you all for your support and messages throughout this project. We hit some metaphorical walls last year, medical issues and setbacks that slowed down our production, but your kind words and reaching out really helped carry us through. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart, and we're really happy to be back. I promise to keep making this show as long as casting directors will have us, and you will keep listening. That being said, we have started a new Patreon, and I know, another thing asking you for money. Well, truth be told is this is a labor of love for Marie and I, and love don't buy sandwiches. We're going to keep making this show no matter what, and personally, I don't need a sandwich myself, but I'd really love to be able to pay Maria for all the work that she does, and to hire an editor to help us get these episodes out more efficiently than I've been able to on my own. I don't want anything from you other than to be able to keep making this show, so with my word, any money we make goes back into making this show, making more episodes, and bringing you more content and opportunities to build a community around celebrating these wonderful casting directors. You can check it out at patreon.com slash placing faces, and I promise that is all I will say about that. Now we get to the good stuff. Today, we get to chat with casting director and president of the Casting Society of America, that is right, El Presidente himself, Russell Boast. Russell, who hails from South Africa, has a very unique intro into the business, from the theater world near Durban to working with tribes in Africa and coming all the way to Hollywood to cast and become an advocate for casting directors all over the world. This is truly an episode I think you're really going to enjoy. He's cast projects like Chance on Hulu and Insatiable on Netflix, Wicked City, Dark Web, and a whole lot more. We discuss the importance of opportunity and being able to see yourself in the media that we consume, and giving casting directors the voice to be seen and heard in today's media landscape. We are extremely happy to be back and to start this season out with such a lovely human. I hope you enjoy listening to Russell as much as I enjoyed speaking with him, and I hope that you learn as much as I did. The best place to start with these things is at the beginning. So where'd you come from and how did you get here? So I have a, I, I'm from South Africa originally, I'm born and raised in South Africa, and um, I grew up on a small farm, really a farm in Africa. I, we had one gas station and I, one school and a, uh, I remember when the Wimpy, the, it was like the, the first burger store came to town. Like, you know, we were, we were a farming community, um, probably uh, an hour away from the big city, which was Durban, but, but it was really, really small, small community of farmers is really where I came from. Farming what? Um, so we didn't, we did hydroponics back then, which was um, just uh, growing uh, vegetables was the big thing then. Mm-hmm. But everyone had chicken and cattle and horses and it was that kind of, that kind of world. Yeah. You know? What had grown up on a farm teacher? You? Um, you know, I just wanted to get to the big city as soon as possible. Um, and, um, and, I, and I always had a love for the arts and, uh, and, and theater and 
just I, I, I the big city had a big uh, theater where uh, touring productions from around the world used to 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 come into Durban. Is it a small community in that so world? So we were. I was very fortunate because theater when I was a kid in South Africa was was there was a lot of money was being spent on theater at that time in in Africa. You know, and 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 the 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 availability of these touring productions, these international touring productions that would come off the West End mainly, and the West End productions like Lemmers or Cats or The Phantom, they were bringing those shows straight out from the West End. And we had these huge uh, theatres that had been built when the Brits came to South Africa. <laughs> and, um, and they could support the technology of those shows. You mm -hmm. know? So I did, I, I was very fortunate to be able to Get not only to get to see those productions, but then slowly but surely get to to work on those productions. I remember I um, I, I did my job when Lemmers first came to town. I was like the mic boy. I I was just I was my job was to make sure that all the the lead actors radio mics were on and working, and or, and I was available to switch them out the minute they weren't working, which you know back then <laughs> happened quite a lot. Um, <laughs> But I remember so you're just, used to the issues got, that we I, just I, had I, here. Yeah, exactly. I got to I got to like 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 hide behind like set pieces and just wait for them to come off stage and then switch the battery out. You know, like <laughs> it was like incredible for me. I'm like, oh my god, I'm on fire. You know, if it wasn't for me, no one would be hearing these people right now. Um, kind of like casting, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you say you kind of fell into casting. How did you? When did you realize that it was the thing? You know, I did uh, uh, the kind of work that I did was kind of, it was extraordinary back then, and it wasn't essentially casting. I got a reputation for being someone who was not afraid to just go to a foreign country and find non-actors and get them ready for Hollywood or international pictures. You know, one of my first big ones was um, a movie called Beyond Borders with Clavin mm -hmm. and Angelina Jolie. You know, and and that movie, my job was to go to Namibia. Um, find 1,500 people who wanted to work as extras who had didn't know what it being an extra was, train them up, get them kind of camera ready in order to get into first positions, second positions, like exactly what rolling meant, just kind of training non-actors up to be either in these crowd scenes or, or featured featured actors in the in the piece. And I didn't know at the time it wasn't necessarily casting, but it was it was finding the non-actors, making them actors, training them up to understand what it was going to be like on, on, a, on a shoot, on the, on the day on set. And then, I, and then the best thing about it that I still miss being a casting director here is then you got to stay and be an AD on the production because then you were responsible for payments, signing the actors and making sure they got to set, being their driver. You were almost like a second AD yeah. that went all the way through to rap, you know, which we don't get to do now. Now, now I'm like, you know, the minute the cast is signed off, I'm, I've just worked on a production now and I just did my last deal memo in the car on the way down here. <laughs> and, um, and now I'm, they're done with me, you know, and I sent it and I said, I, I was like, have fun, have a, have a great shoot, I said. It reminded me of my days back in Africa where day one of shooting was like when I got the busiest, you know? And now it's like, oh, okay, on to the next project. Um, but, you know, it's an answer your question, doesn't it? No, it, it, it absolutely does. <laughs> you know, I, mean, it's, it's, it, I got in by default. I, yeah. I didn't know what it was. I started doing this. It was I was a uh, casting coordinator, they called it back 
in South Africa. Uh-huh. And then that led me into going, God, I really want to, you know, my theater, the theater bug was like, well, where's, where's, where, why have you forgotten me? And I was like, <laughs> oh, what's the scripted thing? Oh, scripted, this sounds like, oh, this sounds like being on stage, you know? And then it was like, oh, actors doing lines. Oh, now I'm in the room, mm. you know, into taking the experience that I'd had with non-actors and getting them camera ready and then taking my theater experience and, and going, okay, now I have actors presenting dialogue is there a world in which those two those two experiences of mine can come together? And, and they did, loud and clear. And I was giving actors notes based on giving non-actors notes. And it was the same thing. It was, you know, huh. it was really like the same thing. I, I have a lot of crazy stories, but I worked with this tribe called the Hemba for a while, um, getting them camera ready for a film called The Trail. And the Hemba... Um, they, there's only 1,200 of the people left. Um, they live in rural Namibia. And um, I got to get a translator. I got to meet the chiefs and the tribes. I get, got to like, get their, uh, kind of um, get their, earn their trust and then get them ready for you know, these, this, big, this big international production. Um, and today I'll, I'll be in the room and I'll be talking to an actor and, and I'll tell them that story and they'll be like, well, what does this have to do with me? And I'm like, storytelling all started around a fire. And when I did the work with that tribe, we sat around the fire and I said, okay, tell the people, tell them to reenact herding today, herding a sheep, but the sheep gets lost. All right, now, no, stop, stop. Now go back to first position. Okay, now the sheep's running a little faster. Go, action. And, 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 and it's exactly what I do today. You know, I mean, the sense of it is the same. You know, yeah. and the essence of it is, is exactly the same thing. With that early training of doing that. Yeah. And also, you're dealing with infinitely different types of human beings. Right. Yeah, and n- never seen a television, never seen money. I mean, I, I'm, we, we ended up working out a, a payment system for some of the villages where we, we bought cattle into the villages because that was the, yeah. the currency in yeah. the villages. You know? What an interesting way to come yeah, yeah. up. How do you create that trust in, in that type of situation? It's something that I, I, you know, uh, it's hard to explain what it is. It's, it's kind of, it came with me. <laughs> I, uh, people, I, I don't... I mean, you have a very trustworthy we talk, face. Well, well, we, talked, a, we talked about yeah. the, an agenda earlier, you know, and I think it's a lot to do with the fact that I don't really come with an agenda, uh-huh. you know, and that I, another thing my grandfather said to me <laughs> um, at some point was, you know, what do you, what do you want to, when you die, what do you want to have achieved? And, and, I, uh, and I remember thinking for a minute and then being like, I want to have been in as many people's shoes as possible by the time I die. And uh, by the time I, I'm standing at my grave, you know, and I, and, and I didn't know what that meant, and I, but I remembered saying it out loud to him. And then I look at my life now and I go, oh, that's exactly what I do. I, I jump I jump. I, I try and embody people I don't know or who don't feel like me or who don't sound like me in order to not be a better human being. That just sounds wrong, but it, it. But in order to live a full life, yeah, is really what it is for me. You know, and I and it's full circle always to casting because that's what we do. That's really what we do is we get to we get to really focus on a particular. Role. We get to focus on a particular type of actor. We get to focus on a particular style of script, whatever it is. And then I get to be in those shoes for that minute. And then I can take them off and change them. <laughs> so you you put on the shoes of the character that you're casting. So no, not so much that. It's more like putting on the 
the space. So it's putting on okay. with the physical, what, what's the environment? Learning, learning, you know. Um, uh, God, it's, it's longer than I think it is ago now. But, but you know, we were doing Wicked City, the ABC show, short-lived yeah. ABC show, you know. And, and one of the writers around the, the award season called us up and said, you know, oh, we've got a great idea. We're going we're gonna to put a trans uh, woman character in, in the next uh, episode. So I'm giving you a heads up because that role is going to be really hard to, to cast, you know. And, and I remember at the time being like, oh, God, I just know what this is going to be because we were set in like the 80s, the Sunset Strip. I was like, this is going to be a hooker or a drug dealer. Like, it's going to be bad mm. and I'm going to have to deal with that. And I don't know anything about the trans community, but I, my gut is telling me this is going to be hard. And we got the script and, and she wasn't. She was just a document forger. There was nothing to do with it. Huh. She was a document forger and there was no commentary about it. It wasn't the trans. token. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, this is a win. You know, and then I was like, um, the trans trans community now you know i'm a gay man i have a husband and two kids and i was like i don't know the trans i don't know one trans person i'm like that's not okay you know and, and then i given my life experience i'm like wait a minute this is not okay six months just getting into those shoes man you know finding finding the trans community the same earning their trust and then and then falling in love with this pe these people, these human beings that I just had never been part of my world, you know, and then being able to go back to the industry who's full of fear and go like, hey, guys, I've got a, some great ideas for you and some terrific actors, and this is what we're going to do, right? I, I find myself in these situations a lot in my life. Yeah. yeah. And like you, you're running towards them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I kind of like I'm just standing there and wait for the next train to come. Out. Like I'll, I'll, I'm on this train right now. You know, but in a good and a positive way, you know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I was on a panel at TIFF recently and mm -hmm. I think Azita Gonzalez said, you know, we all started to laugh because um, this diversity conversation is, it's like, you know, the word diversity became a big thing five years ago. And, <laughs> right. you know, and, like, and I always think about that because this all, to me, happened five years ago. Yeah. And it's this this wave of energy is something that came into my world. And I'm just like, I felt it and I felt familiar. And it felt like it was putting me on the track to do good with what I do, uh, how I earn money. And, and, and I was like, this feels like why I was put on this planet and... Here we go, and and the rest is almost history until we have to stop talking. We can stop talking about diversity, which I'd love to do at some point in in the future. Just to, to stop know. talking about because it's no because longer it's a problem. Not a, it's not a conversation piece anymore. Yeah, you know? because it's just the way things are. I look at my kids yeah. now, and I have two beautiful adopted boys, you know, and and we're always like, you know, okay, how are the kids going to be if if another kid's ask questions about, you know, where's your mom or you have two dads or whatever, uh -huh. you know, and, and, and every time I try and address it with my five-year-old, he looks at me like, dad, like I have two dads, that's it. Like, and then we, he goes to kindergarten and then at kindergarten, he's like, I hear him being like, I have two dads. I'm like, oh, okay, he's fine. <laughs> it's yeah. us, it's us, it's me going, you know. Because we it, come from a, a the society or those sort of things yeah. that. There's the unconscious bias, man. Yeah, and I'm like, I right. think that the world, as the world expands and as the media gets to really, really, really open the hearts and minds of, of kids and adults, um, as to what the world really does look like and not the, world, the way the world has been shown on television previously. You know, I think that, that our, our kids are going to, it's going to go away. It's going to become one thing eventually, you know, mm -hmm. which is my hope. You know. And I mean, if so, 
you, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, but you are the president of the Casting Society of America. Um, you are very committed to inclusion and diversity, and it seems like it's something that has inherently been uh, a part of you throughout your career, but now there's a focus on that. Um, and oftentimes in these conversations, we talk about like the negative aspects of it, where we're not, right. um, which is important. Sure. Don't get me wrong, I'm, and I, I'm sure. fully aware that I am a uh, white, straight fella. But I think I, I want to frame a little bit of the conversation in how much better are we doing than even five years ago? And what is, is there a good outlook for this? Are we headed towards that? You know, I think I, I want to, yes, I want to say yes. I want to say yes, absolutely. You know, I'm very mindful of what I, what we know as the pendulum swing, you know, and, and the swing is, uh, it's a fad and it's, and it's all the rage right now, you know, and then suddenly it's not talked about again. So I'm very conscious of that. And I'm in my own world and in the CSA world, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to put some tools in place that not only, um, address present circumstances, but also look to the future. You know, for example, you know, together with my diversity team at the CSA, you know, we, we spearheaded these open calls and we did an open call for the trans community and open call for performers with disabilities and open call for Manasseh, which is Middle Eastern, North African, South Asian. Mm -hmm. and, and then our next big open call is for Native American and indigenous people in, in January next year. And, and the open calls are, uh, it's, it's for me. It's it's an exploration of discovering actors who ha haven't been discovered in these uh, minority or diverse communities. Is twenty percent of it. Sixty percent of it is giving casting directors the experience in the room with these actors that they may or may not have had experience with, so that they walk out of their office, uh, out of the the open calls, and on Monday start talking to their showrunners and producers, which is the other percentage of it, um, about this incredible day they've had. So the writers producers go back to their writers' rooms and say, you know what, my casting director did over the weekend. Well, they just saw this community, and then mm, and then it uh -huh. all kind of spirals out, you know, and a lot of actors are like oh I still haven't been called in from that open call and I'm like this time just this time it's not about you <laughs> this time it's about a much bigger plan that I have you know so so that is so so easing so fears that's, and yeah that's easing kind of ignorance? Like, that's that's easing fears easing easing ignorance giving casting directors the tools to have some kind of authority when it comes to uh, being inclusive, you know, and I think because then they become more comfortable having conversations, like why don't we make this role a wheelchair user, why don't we make this role a trans woman, and this is what it means to do that, you know. And in all of that, I'm, I'm, I look at that and I go, sounds great um, to your question, it looks great right now, but what, what if this is, what, what happens when I'm gone and all of the people that I are helping me and believe in this are, are gone and doing something else with their lives? Um, you know, the next thing for me is to really be creating the next generation of diverse casting directors, you know, and, and together also with my training team, um, we put together the first of its kind training program for casting professionals, you know, people who are interested in a career in casting. And, and I'm hellbent, man. We do 12 to 16 candidates per program. It's only for people who are interested 
seriously interested in pursuing casting. And I, you know, our first beta test was a, a deaf assistant, a trans woman, a trans man. A, a, like those are the people that I want to see on my training program because I want to see those people in offices and those people becoming casting directors. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's how that's how I, I if I can successfully make that happen, I can happily stand in my grave have filled everyone's shoes jump in and <laughs> yeah. know that the work will continue because yeah. it's not going to not continue if a picture of the csa in five or ten years time looks completely too different to a picture of the csa as it would now you know mm -hmm. so you know that's my my dream in the same breath it's also discovering and nurturing those actors from those different communities. It's one thing to say, hire a, uh, an autistic kid for this role. It's another to find a kid who can embody that role. Um, and, 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 and when I hear in the business, oh, those, those actors don't exist, you know, that's why we, we can't, mm. we can't, we, we want to do the right thing. We've seen everyone, but they, they don't exist. And I'm like, people say that with such ease without going, who created that problem and why don't they exist and what are we doing about that? Mm -hmm. it's, it's always my thing is, is okay, if, if you're telling me your list of top trans female actors, tra trans actors are, there's, there's Laverne and then, you know, there's a list of them um, and that's it, then what are we doing about that? Like, we can't keep saying it for the next 10 years and then still saying, and we haven't, well, they're not going to bank our movie, you know, it's not going to bring people box office numbers in, which is not true, by the way, because... Diverse communities make money at the box office. Movies that are authentically cast make a lot of money. And, and I think people are waking up to that. But that's, that's a side note. No, I think it's a good side yeah. note. And, and, and I kind of want to drill down on that. What do you mean by authentic casting? Because it's a term that I've seen you use before. Sure. So for me, it is about really staying true to the role that is written. You know, the, the role that is written. And in my world, if, if you haven't really created a piece of work that accurately represents the world or the U.S. or whatever it is, then you should be doing that first and foremost in order for us to then go out and cast authentically. But, it, but for me, it is, it is... A while ago, I'd say to actors... And I know there's a big debate about this. You know, an actor's job is to be able to play anything. I can play a tree. I can play someone in a wheelchair. I can play... That's, that's what actors get trained to do. I understand that. I agree with that. Um, and it's fine until a minority group has been underrepresented and misrepresented for an incredibly long time over the period of screen history. <laughs> then I go, it's not okay to do that anymore. You know, then I go, it's time to change that. Because roles have come few and far between for the trans community or wheelchair users or anyone, performers, anyone, any of the minority groups, because those roles come few and far between, when they do come, that group should get first dibs on those roles. You know, And I, I will say in one breath, you should always hire the best actor for the role. And in the other breath, I will say, but you have to do the work to get to the best actor. Mm -hmm. So just saying, oh, so-and-so is the best actor for this role is not good enough for me. I want to see all the paperwork. I want to see all the actors you've seen in order to get yourself to that point of this is the right person for that role. If you've done the homework and you've seen every actor in town, I'm happy to, to say, great, you did a great job, you did your best, but we're still here 
and this actor is not a wheelchair user. This is Jeffrey Tambor, who then stood up and did a lot of vocal supporting of the trans community. You know, then and then you end up in that world, but you have to do the work. If yeah. you don't do the work, then that person is not the best actor for the role. That's the easiest actor to cast for the role, mm-hmm. and you just took the easy route. Yeah, you know. Is that part of these training programs? Is that the the diversity programs that you're doing and those sort of things? Is so that... no, the training is specifically to be in casting. To, to be, be in, in casting. casting. Okay. And, and that really is is because we just there's no formalized training for casting. There's right. a couple of small programs here and there at some of the universities, um, but there's no focused career building program for people who want to be in the field of casting you know we were all self-taught you know yeah. like in in the way that hollywood trip got itself into trouble by a bunch of people who look and felt the same creating the studios and then working together and then hiring people who looked and felt the same to them casting has been the same thing it's been you know you get in by default you know someone who knows someone you are, my story is a little crazier than everyone else's but generally you <laughs> wanted to be an actor and then didn't want to be an actor and then worked in new york which i wish i wish i, I i'm so proud of my past but i sometimes look at the casting community here and i'm like god i just i missed i missed a whole section of uh, professional theater and bring in new york in order to bring that to my yeah. skill set but i bring a whole different skill set with me now um yeah, I yeah. So the training program is just, it's, it's specifically about about being in casting. Um, well, how did how did those programs come about, and how do people get involved? So we, you know, five years ago, we were in a long term planning meeting for the CSA, and and the organization had kind of, in my mind, come to a point where it had done a lot of good, and I think that at the time, the leadership of the organization wasn't one hundred percent sure what is what what to tackle next. And I happened to have just become a board member then. <laughs> and, um, and six years ago, very vocal Russell decided that he was going to have a lot to say about what was going to happen with the organization. And, and the first thing was going to be training and education. You know? And just because even back then and, and now more so, I think that it's not about formalizing the training and saying this is the way to be a good casting director. It's more about understanding how and what we do and historically where we come from so we can talk to the industry about it, about what it is casting directors do mm-hmm. you know again um, alleviating the ignorance to, yeah just just yeah. just you know in order to 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 receive those accolades we're not receiving you know people are not going to award you for something they don't understand if they don't know what it is or they don't know what it is you do and you don't know how to explain it and and casting directors are terrible at explaining what they do to people um you know my mom i think my mom still doesn't really know she's just, she's just, it's, it's it's hard to explain what we do you know and i thought that the the training program not only would then create a different uh, behind-the-scenes look, available casting directors that, that were diverse behind-the-scenes, but also give us more tools to talk about what we do and how we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a producer a while ago who I was explaining how, you know, how a breakdown or how putting out, how, how, what we do. And they were mind-boggled. And this is a producer who has been in the business for a very long time and, and just never sat down and said, so how does your day work? They really just, just think we picked up our phone and called a couple of actors and said, come in and meet our director, you know. <laughs> like, oh, oh, there's a lot more that happens during the course of the day, you know. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but it's like BAFTA right. coming along those lines and the communication of what you do right. as casting directors yeah. is super important 
in that consideration. Yeah, and so I, I, you know, the the I stole a lot of this from from the Australian Guild of Casting Directors. Um, um, their president and I were on the call, and, and she said that's how they got the award. She said they were at a table, she was in the right place at the right time, and someone turned and said, well, what is it that you guys actually do? And then she explained it, and she said everyone was like gobsmacked. And, you know, five hours later, it wasn't five hours, but in, in the movie version of this, five hours later, there it was. They were getting an award for, for casting on, on Australia, you know. Um, it, I, I really do believe that that has so much to do with it. You know, and, and also because, and, and this is back to my story about how I used to stay on set and that I, I miss that, is we kind of do, we, we, we put everyone, we invite everyone to this beautiful cruise liner, right? And we set everyone up and we give them rooms and we, we make sure they're in the right accommodation and we make sure that all the, everything's set for sale and then we, they set sale and we just stand at shore and let them go and that's day one of shooting. And then by the time the cruise liner comes back, most people have forgotten who you are. Yes, <laughs> you know, absolutely. By the time they hit the shore again because they've spent intense weeks together, they've spent this time together, they've been 12 hour days and just craziness and thunderstorms and you know, all these stories we hear that happen on set that we hear six months after the movie's been shot, you know. Um, we don't get to share that as a family with them. And I think that does us, in a way, also does us kind of a disservice, you know. You know, I, I talk about it all the time and people forget that we're the first ones in, man. We, the, that pilot gets picked up or yeah. that script get, gets greenlit. And the first thing that happens is either the casting director gets called directly if they have a good relationship with the producers or the, the producers are put in front of three or four casting directors to interview. And it's probably one of the first heads of department that they meet is casting, right? And yeah. then poor, poor, poor uh, showrunners who are like, all excited and they've got picked up to see picked up to pilot you know and then and then we have to hold their hands while everyone else gets involved and all the other voices get involved and 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 things change <laughs> before we get to the first day of shooting you know um we get to be a part of a very exciting time mm -hmm. you know and it's a, for me it's an it's an honest time and it's a time where if you have a really great relationship with your director or your showrunners where so much creative work gets done that does doesn't get forgotten about, but it just kind of gets left behind mm -hmm. at the shore when the yeah. ship sets sail. You know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We we interviewed Kirsty McGregor. Um, right, Kirsty is who I was talking about. She's, she's one. <laughs> she's, and her, okay, ins good. her insight is incredible. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. It's fucking awesome. She's awesome. Um, I really enjoyed talking with her. But the way she framed it was it, it made a whole lot of sense. Right. After you shoot. And they're having the conversations that are on the panels and the director's talking about working with the actors. They can't very well say, uh, yeah, we went to with like three other people before we landed on Josiah right. because he was the per No, you can't do that. Right. You have to be, there's a, there's a bit of a game that you have to play. There's a bit of a presentation to all of it in that, again, I don't, I, I, I don't associate it with malice. Very often, there are some cases when there is malice, and if you watch casting by, you'll sure. see some of that malice. That there is, it's just part of it. And the way she framed it and the way it made it understandable, also then, you know, because we talked about the Casting Guild uh, of Australia Awards right. there. And 
once you do understand that, then you start to like, then you can drill down. It's it's putting on those shoes and having that conversation and and removing the ignorance to it. That I think right. is, I mean, that's the purpose of this show. Right. Is to honestly, it was to get rid of my ignorance. I had no clue what the casting process was. And I started to find out that there were a lot more ignorances that I Mm -hmm. needed to drill into. Um, So it's been very, fairly interesting. Just it's so funny because it's, it's, you know, I'm glad you brought up casting. Why? And if anyone's listening and has not seen it, please go and see it. Like, please please see it. It's, it's, it's such an important piece of art. Um, Give that woman her Oscar. And for, yeah, and for me, it's, (laughs) it's an important piece of art. And I, I, the students that come onto our training program, they have to watch it as pre-course work and then we, mm. we break it down on day one and, and that will, will forever remain in the program. And the reason for that is because with technology these days and the way that we can do business as casting directors in terms of the amount of actors who have access to us, the amount of actors we can schedule and move around and 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 the, the a lot of the self-taping and online technology and all those things is 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 while it's making the business efficient, it's losing the soul of the business. Is is we're losing mm. our souls, you know, and and our souls are the Marians of the world who can say to a producer, no, 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 no. I know what you're trying to do here, but this is a much better idea. Listen to me, please trust me and listen to me on this one. And then the rest, I'll let you have three others, but this particular one. This is mine, and this is what we're going to do here. Because nine times out of ten, it's those moments that have created the magic, have created the James Deans, have created the whoever it is. Those moments of magic are those moments that that then the producers take on and go, that was the best idea I ever had. You know? <laughs> and and I, I'm fine. I will let them have it, you know, mm-hmm. um, without vocal casting directors and without casting directors who love the theater and love actors and are willing to stand up and say, no, I think you're making a mistake right now on this role. Um, we're just processes and we've been accused of being a pro- processes before in the business and mm-hmm. we've been accused of being administrators and it's an administrative function. And I'm like, please don't ever let us become administrators again, if we have ever been. And the way we do that is, we go to theater, we become friends with actors, we, we, we fight for actors, we fight for diversity, we fight for art, um, because we are artists and we are part of that creative process. And when we get into the zone of presenting for people and having them pick one, I feel like I'm pushing paper. And I'm not, I'm not in the business to push paper. I'm mm-hmm. in the business to, to, to really say, this is why this guy's better over this guy. This is why, why don't we make the mayor of LA a trans woman? Come on, let's do it. And then I get the looks like, oh, hell no. And then I get the, ah. Oh. And then I get the, who have you got and let's hire her right away, <laughs> you know? Um, those, that makes me, that's what I love about being a casting director. And I would like to think it's what makes me a good casting director, you know? Mm-hmm. Is is that openness to the potential of, and then also the ability to communicate that and fight for that at a certain point? Yeah, sure. And and sometimes people are like, oh, hell no, man. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. It is a creative I, I, endeavor. Ultimately, you're going to have I'm people who disagree. Sure I have sometimes. One or two producers who have not come back to me because I've had too much to say in the room, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about casting directors working together. 
because uh, two of the casting directors that you've worked with, uh, and pronunciation here, Rick Pagano mm-hmm. and Debbie Manweiler. Correct. Um, on multiple projects, mm-hmm. what is it that makes a casting team work well together? Oh, you know, it's hard. Rick was my mentor. I would not be here without Rick Pagano. Like, I, I, he took me under his wing when I got to this country. He sat me at a desk and he said, pick up that phone. And I said, what am I doing? And he said, just pick up the phone and start answering calls. And then really took me on this eight-year journey through the business, you know, having being able to just sit down and answer the phone for someone who at that time had just come off the X-Men movies and was a very prolific, high-profile casting director in this town. And for him to trust me was like, it was a gift for me. I was some kid from Africa who had done all this crazy running around locations and casting, you know. Um, so working with Rick, it was it was a mentorship for me. It, was, it wasn't a partnership for me, you know. And, and, and Rick and I did feel like, partners and and we did theater together and and we loved doing theater together but for me the being working with rick was really just learning what it meant to be a casting director in this town um and and giving me all those tools to to be who i am right now you know in in the u.s um deb was um i whenever there was an emergency on a tv show um because I was some, I think I, I, I was still back then pretty level-headed. If there was a, an emergency on a pilot, then I would get shipped up to the emergency with Rick in the car. He'd, he'd be like, get in the car, we're going up to, we're going up to Deb. And, um, and then we would get in the car. And I always knew it was going to be something pretty dramatic. I think the first time I met Deb, um, she, she was on an incredibly stressful show and her and her associate had just ended up in the hospital um, and I got put at, at their desk. I'd never, ever, ever worked on a TV show before and Rick marched me and he sat me down and he said, just open all the files on the computer. You'll know what to do. And the, we were in the middle of a pilot and the phones were ringing and I, and I remember sitting and opening like folder number one and being like, I am so screwed right now and, and managed to somehow pull all the wheels back together. And, and so I became like the fixer, you know, I, I just wanted to do independent film with Rick. I had no interest in the, in the machine that was television. And then, and then more and more Deb and I started to work to, to work together. And we found like, I started to get older and, and I started to think about kids and then realized that the, uh, that the independent film world was a little more circusy than I thought it was going to be, and I needed to work uh, more in a bank, let's say. <laughs> and um, you know, Dev and I just started working together, and we just found a, a groove there, you know, which was just like a kind of a natural progression from the learning experience, you know, this incredible mentorship I'd had with Rick into into working with Deb, you know, who now Deb and I are partners and. Um, like we have, you know, we both live like in the valley and, you know, we both have kids and her kids are a lot older than mine. But, but we, you know, we, this is, we, we're not crazy industry folk, you know. And I, at some point when I first got here, I was like, I'm going to be a crazy industry. I'm going to be <laughs> West Hollywood with all the agents every Friday. And I'm going to, I'm going to like, Entourage was like, like they made that, they made Entourage about what I saw in my future, you know. And, and I was like, no. I have other things to do with my life, you know, in terms of the diversity work and the inclusion work and the training work and the raising a family. And, and, and Deb has a very similar vibe about that. We love what we do and we love casting and we love actors, but we don't have to be at every party every Thursday night, you know. We yeah. just, it's not important, you know. Did doing that early inform later? 
I think so. You know, I think it was hard for me. The first two years here was really hard for me. Um, was it a big culture shock? It was coming? a huge culture yeah. shock for me. I just had no idea. You know, I, I didn't know anyone. I knew no one. I, I, I had a friend, Deb DeLasso, who is a friend of a friend who I stayed with in Santa Clarita, Newhall, you know. But I, I, apart from her, I knew no one. I, and she had, was a new friend. I'd known her a, month, a couple of months, you know, and, and she was generous enough to give, let me stay in her house for year, two years, you know, when I got here. But I knew no one and then, and then not, and didn't know the industry here. Um, knew what it looked like around the world, but very much on set with international producers and directors, and and um, and this whole vibe was LA was incredibly unfamiliar and unfriendly. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, just hard to find my place here, but but mainly because I just wanted to work, and I'd been working for fifteen years in the business already, and then I got here, and there was kind of this culture shock and then the breaks went on because everyone seemed to be talking about these things that we're going to create and no one seemed to be on set and I spent a lot of time <laughs> at lunches and at parties and and works drink sessions where people were talking about what they were going to do but no one was shooting anything and, mm-hmm. and I was like I'm used to being on set tomorrow at 5 a.m. Right. so like, you're talking about shooting something yeah, I'll like, see you tomorrow yeah if you want to let's <laughs> if we're going to do it then let's do it and tell me where to be at what time yeah if we're not going to do it then I let me go and find something else to do and it's funny because I part of that led me into the equity wave of 1990s theater world here for a minute and I started to produce in that world because because my soul was being sucked lifeless initially um and then you get to a point in this in in, in this in this town where where you switch something switches over maybe it was when I gave up the desperate desire to be an industry player and just let it be part just you know just wanted and just let it be part of me instead and organically come to me um but there's there's a like this paradigm shift that goes from the talking to meeting people who really do the work, you know. And then I found that family, and I'm like, you know, so grateful for the work that I've been able to do so far, and all the people that I've met, and that are that are good people and really doing, you know, making making movies. Yeah. Oh, I think like like finds like out here. Right. And after like it. <laughs> Oftentimes, the because I'm a I'm a doer. I right. like to make things, and that's she that's is how this as well. All started. <laughs> right, right. And I think that oftentimes you, it, it's hard to find those other doers, yeah. but eventually you do. As long as you stick it out and you keep doing and you keep pushing, eventually you just start building up. Oh, you're a doer too. We're gonna do something together, and then you do that thing together, and they have other doers, and it it slowly starts to build on itself, but. It is a very hard place to move to, especially yeah, if you don't know anyone here. It is it, difficult. And, and, and especially, you know, it's for all filmmakers, but for actors in particular, you know, there's so much BS in this town. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, I'm sure many of you actors, uh, listeners are actors, you know, mm-hmm. and I just, there's so much actor, it's called, they call it actor myths is what I like to call them, you know, and, and for a long time when I first got here, I used to teach and I used to be teaching the business of the business and I, because I really wanted actors to understand, watch out for those pitfalls, the, you know, the headshot corporation of America, just taking, stealing money. And, and I was, I came with, I came so naive and so open-minded. So I just saw what was going on on the ground here is like a complete farce. And I, I didn't, you know, when actors would say and still say to me, you know, which is a better headshot for me. And I'm just like, dude, the one that looks like you, that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. I, I'm done with this conversation, you know, or what are they? I, I, I've, my career has leaped to a point where I don't talk in that world as much as I used to, but I used to love talking in that world because I used to say things like, 
you know, please don't come to me and ask me to hook you up with an agent. An agent's relationship with a casting director is totally different than an actor's one. I, I, can, I can introduce you and they're going to say yes, but are they going to take care of you? I don't know. I want to say maybe not. So, so the, the, you know, there's just this little, those, those little triggers, you know, my star meter on IMDb, if I can just push that up a notch, and I'm like, it's such bullshit. Like, we never use the star meter to track actors' success. <laughs> we, make, we use it to make lists of actors who we already know. Like, there's no, there's, it's not true. And then I'll see a friend of mine, and they put their IMDb profile link on Facebook, so in the hope that someone will click, in the hope that their numbers will go up, in the hope of what? That that I'll skip over their names if I don't know them, if they're not a friend of mine. You know, there's so much of that out in this town. And I'm like, this is what it is. Pay your dues, do the work. Do the work, Do be the best actor you can. It's simple. It's For me, it's so much simpler than what what the town says. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and, and I love agents and managers for the most part, you know. But these myths, you know, the regional, a lot of the regional locations I'm struggling now with, CSA-wise, because we're getting these things about, you know, these kids are being told that they need Instagram followers and they need Twitter followers and they need to build up their social media. And I'm like, dude, once, once in almost two decades did a producer say to me, who has the biggest following? And it was neck and neck and the role was a teen, a teen role. You know what I mean? And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, that makes sense. In, not in the history of me doing this job has it ever become a thing now i know i understand in, in in nickelodeon shows i understand there is a world where that takes place i'm not i'm not saying it doesn't exist i'm saying in my world it doesn't exist and i've never seen it so when someone a manager is telling a 13 year old to which i think is dangerous to be online and be socially present i go not on not that's not my conditions mm -hmm. you know, we hear with the csa people love i love the csa people love to blame the csa the csa says no the csa never said that no but you know the csa rules are i'm like no you know every it's not no no we just like we're we're a little membership organization we're a little family of casting directors we're not a big machine we're not like the president of the csa people introduce me they're like who's the president of the csa and i'm like <laughs> i i take it because i get to do good with that with being the president I, I i like to think i get to do a lot of good but we just we're in, like every now and then i have to be like everyone calm down <laughs> we're a, a group of casting directors like that's what we are we love actors we're a group of casting directors that's it all the rest of it is like it's like the actimus about headshots like <laughs> so <laughs> well what is speaking about the csa this is a good uh, opportunity to delve into that a little bit more what is the intention of the csa so you know it's it's really is to to create a global voice for casting directors is what it is i mean you can pull the the mission statement off the website but for me i i you know we've expanded into europe over the last two years for me it's about that that education about what we do you know and and being able to to talk to our members about what we do ask them to be more vocal about what we do and how we do it leverage this diversity conversation to engage more members to say doing the right thing is the right thing to do and it's not even doing the right thing it's a thing you should have been doing all along anyway so please just just do it you know um for me it, it's really to elevate the profession of casting and casting yeah. directors you know and then and then really take take care of the community you know and it's it's a tough we it's a tough business like it, it doesn't matter what part of the business you're in being in this industry, 
can be soul destroying, you know, and you're on a wave and, and you're doing great and, and you are uh, you're three pilots and the and the one's gonna get picked up and the other one and then and then nothing happens. And you have to deal with that and you have to pick yourself up and you have to get on with it, you know, and it's it's the same when you you're so close to hiring an actor and, and, and it's gonna happen and, and, and then something happens, someone says no and that actor's not gonna be doing your show and you have to go to another actor. Like like it really is the ability to pick up and move on requires therapy and help and we the CSA become a support mechanism for each mm -hmm. other we, we get to call each other now I think when I joined the board it was a little more um, a little more f closed house I want to say it was a, it was a little more we didn't share as much information as we do now now we pick up the phone to each other and we say hey this is how, how do you feel about what just went down with this producer and, and we share stories and we commiserate you know and and that's really Apart from all of the great work we do, we have Casting Society Cares, we do a lot of community work, um, taking care of our members and then elevating the craft is really what it is, you know, um, is what my, my mission has become. And then my own soapbox, which I jump up on, is the diverse <laughs> inclusion and diversity and the training and education. Yeah. You know, because I just, I found myself in this position of um, where not it's not authority or power where people might be listening to me maybe <laughs> and while they're listening i'm going to have my say about inclusion and diversity and training the next generation of diverse casting directors that's that's what it is you know? yeah. yeah i'm curious a little bit and you've, you've discussed it a bit about why you got those specific soapboxes but i'm curious it's it's one thing to join an organization and be part of the organization but to then join the board of that organization and work your way to president. And you were just elected uh, for the second term, right? Yes, um, yeah. as president of the organization. There's a there's a, a another level of involvement and care that comes with that. And I'm curious for you, why? My short answer is someone has to do it. <laughs> you know, someone has to do it, you know, uh -huh. is, is the short answer of it. Um, I love the CSA and I love the members and, and I, I love what this organization is now doing. You know, I, I, when I originally joined the board of directors, it was because I wanted to know what they were actually doing. And, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that I, I had the three letters behind my name and I was paying dues and I'm like, this is cool. I'm from Africa and I've got CSA behind my name. Like, oh, that's so cool, you know. And then, and then I was like, and then, you know, the next year of dues payment came around and I was like, oh, so what is this actually about? Like, I think it looks cool on screen. So I, I, I you know, I, I, I got into the board of directors and, you know, then quickly found out that there was all this work that was happening. And then there were some areas where work wasn't happening. And the place where I felt like the work had been had been happening like one of our presidents previous presidents Pam Dixon she was this inclusion and diversity thing like I'm still struggling to fill Pam's shoes in it she's she started that machine you know and I'll never ever say that I started that machine she started and then she just left her shoes at the door for me you know and I jumped into those shoes uh, true story um, but um, and she would love that but um, yeah I, I I saw those opportunities to 
look at the some of the mistakes that the industry had historically made, some of the inaccuracies that have been portrayed in terms of diversity. And I was like, well, what's this diversity committee doing? And I'm like, hold on a minute, let me just start. Let's let's have a conversation about the diversity committee. And and Leah Daniels Butler and Michael Sanford and I went for to co went and had coffee at Aurora Cafe, and. Um, you know, and then we started this machine that has become these open calls, has become like it's, it's bigger than we ever imagined. I, we had three things on the agenda. Um, we had um, unconscious bias and we had, um, we had that, the, how are we going to deal with the fact that these actors don't exist or this myth of the actors don't exist and then what are we going to do about that, you know, and those were the three agenda items and now it's turned into this machine of, of 15 committee members that work tirelessly at uh, hundreds of different things, whether it's work sessions with performance disabilities or it's doing open calls or town halls or like uh, like New York's on fire. My New York committee is like, I, I can't pick up the phone and they're doing a hundred different things, you know. That was just me sitting in a boardroom eight years ago being like, you know what we should do, you know, and then with a, a wonderful casting director friend of mine, Goha Gazazian and Goha and I were the ones who were at that long-term planning meeting looked at each other and were like, training and education, why don't we just make a training program? Little did we know that it was going to be hours and hours of training work to put this <laughs> training program together, which is still in beta test. It's, it's going to be 80 hours and we, we've launched 24 of it and we are about to launch the next 30. We've still got God knows how many hours to develop, you know. Um, yeah, that, that was all from sitting in a boardroom going, okay, what are we doing next with this organization? You know, what is, what can we do? And, and, and then for me, thinking about the fact that we were in this unique position of being in the room when there's a director in the same room, where there's a showrunner in the same room, where there's a writer in the same room, and going like, oh, we, whenever the, the diversity blame game got first passed around, oh, that should be the writer, it should be the writer, I was like, we are the ones that are in the room with all of those people. We should say something, mm -hmm. anything, you know? So that started that train. Um, you know, the presidency for me, it really was because someone has to do it. Um, I think by then I learned so much about myself being part of this organization personally and, and having to manage so many personalities and and and, and take care of so many people. I learned I learned a whole new skill set that I didn't I, I, that wasn't available to me in terms of not being patient because I'd always been patient, but the ability to challenge, to listen, uh, and then to challenge and then. And then every now and then to say no, which has never been part of my toolbox, you know, and to be able to gently say no and explain why has, yeah, it's, 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 it's something that I will take away because I term out in a year and a half. I'll take away from this organization is just that the love for the community, what we can do with the casting world, what the casting world can actually do, the impact it can have on the entire industry and in turn the entire world because everyone's watching television and films. Um, that's what gets me up in the day and all the tough calls and all the, the, the dealing with personalities during the course of the day is worth every minute of it because the CSA as I know it can change the world. I'm like, okay, I'm on that train, you know. I, I do, it's like you said, it's, it's the first point of entry into the filmmaking process. Once, once green light happens, right. casting is involved. And if something isn't being said at that point, it's not going to be said. Like right. you're, you're past it's that point. Done, yeah. You also have the Ardios Awards, mm -hmm. um, which the 35th anniversary is coming it's up coming this up, next it's year. It's going to be the biggest, the biggest one to date. And, and last year we had over a thousand people, like we sold out. 
Because um, you have simultaneous events, one in New York and one in LA. And London now. And so, London yeah, now. So we have London, oh, New York, and Los Angeles now. Um, it's, it is a ton of work. Um, and Amanda Lincoln-Doyle, who like heads up that committee, and, yeah, and Laura man, Adler. Like they are like shout outs to them. Like they are, I know that they are deep in it right now while I'm sitting here <laughs> just talking away. Um, you know, it's become, it's become, it, it was, a, it was a brunch. It was a brunch of a couple of agents and managers and casting directors 35 years ago. It was actually longer, but we calling it our 31st anniversary. There was uh, it was a little longer than that, you know, and there was just a bunch of it was a bunch of people sitting around congratulating each other by buying each other lunch or breakfast or brunch or whatever it is and now you look at it and it's this big awards show you know that everyone talks about um that i should really get on a speech about writing a speech for that but um yeah yeah it's 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 a great moment for us and it's a great moment for us because because we don't we don't because people do forget about us and we don't get an opportunity to be thanked a lot and we mm -hmm. don't hear when the work is good we it's good and 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 that's great when the work is not good and an actor has a bad day or doesn't work out on a particular project um we're the first ones to hear about it um the audience awards for me is an opportunity to really like show gratitude to our peers you know and be so proud of the work they do you know people will say to me what's the one show you wish you had cast that you didn't cast and i'm like None of them. Like, I'm so proud of all my friends' shows. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at, like, Bialy Thomas. Like, I look at people that I've been... I've been here 16 years, you know, and 16 years later, I've watched these casting folk go from zero to hero, you know? And I'm yeah. like... And, and the Audius Awards is our time to celebrate... You know, to celebrate each other. And and really, it's, it's, it's not about winning or being nominated. It's about all of us being in the same room together, um at the same time to celebrate each other is like, it's, it's so inspiring, you know, and it's, you know, I know some people see it as a networking event and some people, whatever, for me, it's not, it's about us being together mm -hmm. in one room, you know, celebrating one another. Yeah. Celebrating one another because we don't get to do it enough. Is know? there a way for people to see the audios or to, so no, not, not yet. We, okay. we wish, we wish we talked a little, we talked a, a bit about doing it as a Facebook live kind of event or something like that, uh -huh. but we haven't, um, we haven't got to that stage yet. You know, we, we've also had discussions about making it more of awards type show type of an event more than a dinner, but for now, it, it for now it's more of a, a party and a getting together than an award show. I, I would, I, I see the youth on the board right now. I see the energy of this organization and I look forward to seeing what it turns into in the future, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe the dinner, maybe the dinner is becoming antiquated. Who knows? Um, this is not, these are just opinions, but it's, um, well, and I ask because I, I do think it's, it goes to the ignorance conversation that we're having that you know, I had no clue before I started doing this show that the Ardios was even a thing. Right. I right. didn't know it existed. Yeah. And it, it is and a it celebration. It's just not being able to talk about what we do, you know, right. it's like, it's that thing of, of, um, even still once casting directors get awards and they get up there, like we're going to put a clock on you guys. If any of casting directors of our members are listening to this, there's a clock this year, right? Um, because they, you're talking about people who've worked so hard on a show for so many years and this is the first time they get to talk about it. There's a lot to say. Right. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um, I'm not, you know, for me, the awards is, is, is a public statement, but it's for me personally more just a, it's a part, it's a party for friends. Yeah. You know? 
So we're near the end of our time, uh, but I also realized that we haven't really talked about any of your projects in, <laughs> specifically. I've we've never been, worked in this town. <laughs> <laughs> this whole hour, we've, and, and this is a I'm great so conversation. I'm so busy talking to you, I haven't done a show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, um, so, because I, I want to be respectful of your time, sure. uh, what of, let's see, what do I have here? I have, uh, we can drill into dark web. Uh -huh. which I really dig dark web, by the way. Thank That's you. straight up my genre. Um, chance mm -hmm. or Insatiable? Which of those three are oh, you? Oh, dude, all over the map with them. Right. You know, and, and I wanted, like, like, I'm going to launch this in terms of what I, my shows and the shows that I've been lucky enough to work on is that, is that it's like I love those three, that you mentioned those three in the same sentence because they're such different shows. So different. You know, and stylistically, I love, I love that. You know, when... We start, and I'll, I'm going to talk about all three just because you Great, suck me. Great, please, please. But you know, when we got onto <laughs> Insatiable, you know, what a crazy ride that was, you know, and the first, we read the pilot and I was like, what is happening in this? Um, right. And then we met Lauren Gus and who is just the most incredible mind, you know, and Lauren, like, we were like, I was so anxious at the, at the first, at the meeting to get the job because I was like, I don't want to come in with the wrong pitch here. And then she started to talk about what the show was to her. And it was like a love. It was like falling in love with someone for the first time. Like I'm still calling her like my, she's like my sister, you know, falling in love with her on a show that I didn't resonate with me at all. But, but she, she came from such an honest, good place and a, and a place of her, it was her own like personal experience she was like sharing her life with the world uh, in this crazy way and and and, yes. and 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 i caught it i caught it behind her eyes like during that meeting and i'm like okay i got this i still have no idea what the show's about it's kooky <laughs> I, I, I mean and this it caught a lot of flack it did before it came out before it came out right. and i say that intentionally because it had a, a girl who was overweight who got punched in the mouth by a homeless guy and had her wire, her jaw wired shut and lost a bunch of weight and became right. uh, this kind of... Judy pageant queen. Yeah. yeah. And then it went on to be a top performer at Netflix. And I, I was one of those that was like, is this a little tone deaf? When, right. Before it even came out and sitting down to watch it to prep for interview with you, I get it. I get why it is so popular because it takes all of those things that everybody was worried about and it subverts them in such a weird and crazy and whimsical and right. wonderful way that the messages are the stark opposite of what everybody was freaking out about. Right. I'm, I'm so glad you see that because it's yeah. it, it, like when, when, when it, and I saw, remember I saw the show go from a CBS CW show to not being picked up to uh -huh. a Netflix show. Okay. You know, so I Did saw that. Did that change the tone? So yes, yeah, so I saw that kind of transition. I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting, you know, and, huh. and, and, and I didn't, for a moment we thought it could live and breathe on the CW and then, and then it didn't, you know, and we, and we very much understood why, you know, the first one of the big scenes in the pilot was about anal cancer and yeah. the CW doesn't necessarily want to talk about anal cancer on the, during the pilot, you know? Um, um, and when, exactly when, what they're talking about in the show that nobody wants to talk about. When it ended up on Netflix, you know, um, and, and, and I started to see what was happening in the trades. I was like, oh, please, if we could just, like, and I, I wasn't, by then, because the show was shooting in Atlanta, a New York casting team had taken, was taking on the show, you know, and so we lost it, sadly, but, but I know Lauren, and I was like, please get her on the air right now, get her on the air, and let her tell the story she told to us at that pitch meeting, mm. because that's what no one heard, no yeah. one was hearing, 
you know and i was like please let them see those two sparks that i saw in the first meeting with lauren because because you got it wrong because she's ridiculously funny and she is like she's way out there and and if you're not if you're not you 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 have to you you have to open heart open mind you know and and then you'll get it and i just saw closed-minded i saw people jumping onto taglines i saw people shredding the show going you've misinterpreted the entire thing you know and and then and then it found its own space as shows do absolutely so yeah so yeah, um, it's a really wonderful show. I highly recommend people check it out. You've got a great cast in it too. Thank you. Um, so proud of that. Cast. Debbie Ryan is so good, and Dallas Roberts. You got Beverly D'Angelo showing up. You got and then little Kimmy Shields, who's like right? Kimmy yeah. is like my my pride and joy of casting because that role was written completely not Kimmy, and we talked huh. them into hiring Kimmy because I needed to see someone like Kimmy on on screen. You know, and originally that role was written for someone heavy set. It was completely, it was the heavy set best friend, you uh-huh. know, who may or may not be gay, you know. And then Kimmy came in one day on a Saturday, I remember, and I was like, wait a minute, who is this girl, you know? And then had to say to the producers before I brought Kimmy in, you know, okay, we're going to see before I bring in the next girl, don't fire me. You need to just stay <laughs> calm. But, but just everyone stay calm and, and Kimmy walked in and, and most of the room was like, ugh. And I'm like, don't fire me. Give it a minute. And Kimmy started <laughs> and three lines in, they were like, I could just see him. I could feel the energy in the room shift, you know, and Kimmy walked out and they were like, we have to have her. And I'm like, I know you do. <laughs> Let's do it. You know? Yeah. And then, and then selling it, the network and the, the studio and the network and getting everyone else on the same page. And by the time we did, it was a big fight. And by the time we did, we got Kimmy, you know, and I'm like so proud of that work. And then they lean into her being yeah, and then it was the like, character. Oh, well, Kimmy, that Kimmy Shields was the best idea we ever had. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she was. There I, it goes again. I, was, I screened, I think we screened 70 actors the day that Kimmy walked in. It was a Saturday and we had two rooms running and we were just actors, actors, actors and in walked Kimmy. And, and, and she's still the best idea you guys ever had. I'm just kidding. <laughs> love love you guys. Love if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so of those other ones, you've got Chance, which is a uh, series that focuses on a forensic neuropsychiatrist, mm-hmm. Dr. Eldon Chance, living in San Francisco, who's kind of pulled into a dangerous life. Um, uh, created by Alexandra Cunningham and Kim Noon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stars Hugh Laurie, who I adore for everything he's that he's ever done. Wonderful, gracious, incredible actor. Incredible um, performer. You know, he, <laughs> he, I, I have so much time for that man, and and he had so much time for us, which I appreciated. You know, we didn't do the first season of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Linda Lowy did the first season of the show, yeah. and then and then um, and then we we were very lucky to get the the second season of the show, and. You know, and we'd heard, you know, oh, Hugh Laurie, Hugh Laurie, you know, and, and then in Walk you, and he's just a straight shooter. He's like, don't bullshit him, just talk to him like a human being and let's get the work done, you know. And for those people who don't, they have a really tough day at the office with him. And for those of, <laughs> those of us who do, we had a great time, you know. He's an incredible, incredibly talented actor and an incredible human being to work with well and he's an ep on the show as well so does that mean he is he is weighing in on these casting so he wasn't by season two he wasn't as much as i think he would like to have been Uh (laughs) um um so he didn't he there were a couple of roles um 
that he that he did come into the room and, and requested to be in the room on. But generally, by by season two of a show, the the mechanics of a show are so in place that you know, unless it takes people it, can step it, back yeah, and not can, feel. Yeah, that we kind of get the vibe of it. It's why I always feel sorry for guest directors when they come onto an episode of a show because they just walk into someone else's else's house yeah. and then they kind of have to ask if they're allowed to wash the dishes or pick up a glass or move anything around, you know, it's, you know, in a whole different home where you, you, you know, someone else probably makes your bed. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a show that I really enjoyed. Um, and I, I have to mention Ethan Suppley in the show, just because he's, Oh, I wish Ethan was my idea and he wasn't, but <laughs> Ethan was because I know the story with Ethan and then I went on to cast him in a, in a little independent film that I hope is going to do some tremendous business. Uh-huh. You know? Um, you know, Ethan also the sweetest guy on the planet, but Ethan was as far as, and I'm, and for anyone listening who knows the story better than I, uh, you're welcome to be like, meh, no, but, but the, it was a last minute casting. It, it was a last minute finding him was like right at the last minute. As I, as I was told, they'd gone up to San Francisco. They were already prepping in San Francisco and they still didn't have that role. And I, the story I heard was that they f- had to fly Ethan, I think, up from LA, and they met in a hotel room, and they he was hired like the day before the week before shooting, <laughs> like on this on a whim. And again, that role wasn't anything physically like Ethan, as far as I was. Told. I was curious about that. You know, that it was a completely, completely different. And it's so far thing. out of his. Like he's he's done a lot of things. Ethan is one of my favorite. I've known I've, I've known his work since I was a child. For some reason, he's always stuck out to me. Um, and it's kind of out of his wheelhouse to be this, and it's such an important role in the show. And he was so good in it. You know? I mean, just just watching and going, having the privilege to sit at table reads like every two weeks and watch watch him work or not work because uh-huh. he so seamlessly did it. You know, um, yeah, that's like a real, real treat. Like him, I believe that uh, the Kimmy Shields on on Insatiable was like the what happened to the casting Chilinda when they discovered him and got him that role you know that moment where a casting director really does like like switch have something that 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 everyone goes okay this is totally not what we saw and this is the best part of the show because I really like Hugh Laurie God bless him I thought Ethan was it was his show you know there are moments when he's and and to steal a scene from Hugh Laurie (laughs) is I mean that man has been uh, his his uh, the sketch show that he did in London is still one of my favorite shows. Right. I I adore his work, but to steal the scene from him and to have that presence that Ethan has in this and to be kind of fucking terrifying yeah. is table read after table read where we couldn't carry on with the read because he had just delivered one line. <laughs> you know? I love it. So, you know. um, and then I mentioned dark web. Uh, this is an anthology horror, you on know, Amazon. and it's so dark web. People like, should watch. Yeah. There's Thank a lot of good that. stuff I, in it. Thank I, you. I, I really, really, really you know. And, and dark web was a big collaboration. And I'll start by saying that you know, Roxy, she, yeah. the you know, one of the directors and writers of one of the pieces. Roxy and I have a long history. The movie that I just mentioned now that I am just wrapped the deal memo on as I was coming here is a Roxy movie. She's, she's a powerhouse man. She's like, she's on fire and she's going to win Academy Awards. Like just watch that space, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's why I've stuck around with Roxy for, for years. I, I don't even know when it was, when we first started working together, but we've, this is our fifth or sixth production together. Um, you know, and then she bought, um, what had happened is we did a, sh- a movie called The Tribe and I introduced her to an actor called Michael Nardelli who played a role on The Tribe and then Michael met Roxy and had this love fest and then 
uh, he brought Roxy in to do dark web and she was like, well, we bring a Russell back with us. Right. And he was like, Oh yeah, Russell. Yeah. Let's do that. You know? Um, I love it. There's some loyalty. There's of a course it's bit a family. Yeah. I mean, we like a family, you know, and, and by then they had a couple of the actors that they had in mind and, but they, they listened to me and, and on with, with so little budget and, and we were in this little studio and we did it on a dollar, yeah. like a dollar 50, like Roxy bought, like we bought each other's donuts each day just to get through casting sessions. Um, but, but I try, you know, doing stuff like dark web that, which is, I thank you for saying that you love it because I do. Um, I try and do as much of that work as I can while, carrying on with like network television because it keeps me current and it keeps me familiar with what's happening on the ground, you know? Well, and it seems like those types of projects, they give you an opportunity to, to like, because it's an anthology, there's a different lead for every episode. So you have an opportunity to put actors in places as a lead of something more frequently and let them like, especially there are, there are some actors in the, the first episode. Um, was it Brian? Brian. Yeah. And and Graham Sibley mm-hmm. in that first episode is fucking good. He is very, very good. It was it was one of the. I was on fire. It was it was a good time for me. I was on fire. I just I was becoming familiar with the trans community. My mind was being opened. I was like, all these things were happening, you know. And I was just I was and and I had the freedom in the room to be like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do a trans woman here? Why don't we do yeah. this? Let's do no no no. Like I was I, I was at the peak of my trying to be pretend I was Marion Doherty because <laughs> because there was no money and I could just say whatever I wanted, you know. Right and. Um, yeah, and it, and I think the results show in the show. You know, what I mean, is it, it it got the edge that I wanted to have on it, um, that we the whole team wanted to have on it. You know, um, and I got, but I got to sneak some really cool people in there. Gabe Luna, who Gabriel, you know, yeah. who just come for Wicked City for me, and I was like, Gabe, you know, there's this thing, you know, and he's like, well, I'm gonna be the Terminator. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, there was a lot of people that I had become familiar with that that did this did this as a favor and it was the best favor they ever did to themselves yeah you know, i had a couple of them on, on that show but yeah it's it's i love to do that i i don't because i want i thought i was going to end up in the independent film world and then ended up in network television a, a director recently said to us he's like you guys have found a really good niche in the network t- tv world right and i'm like that's not, <laughs> i'm not sure if that's a compliment but I'll, <laughs> I'll take it i'll take i'll take it i'll take it you know um the projects like dark web and I try, I, I keep on doing smaller independent stuff. I, I promised that I would do a short film a year um, and, yeah. and just to stay current. And, and the last AFI short I did, Miller and Son is now, um, and it's, it's uh, in the running to get an Academy Award for best short, you know, and I'm like, I'm doing it to introduce young filmmakers to casting and go, I want them to experience what it's like to, work with a professional casting director while they're at AFI. So there's no surprises in terms of uh, being a director who doesn't use a casting director in the future so that they understand why it's so important to have a casting director to add the layer onto their production that they may feel like they don't need on their Mm -hmm. production. So I I take on a shorter year and I'm lucky Roxy was, that's how I got to meet Roxy and then this AFI short that, that is right up there with the Academy Award nominees. And I'm like, yes, that's welcome to my world you know and dark web which you know which is doing good business i hope we get more business out of it i yeah. really do yeah it's a it's a really wonderful show i i hope that more people watch it um it's hard nowadays there is so much out there to to be able to cut through that 
uh, I think is really difficult. But what's great, especially in genre, is that there are built-in audiences for all of these genres, and, and now there are these right. niche markets, these niche, uh, niche audiences that you can uh, kind of delve into and, and make something that wouldn't have been made 10 years ago or even five years ago, yeah. for that matter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting time. I, the, I, I get concerned that we're flooding, that there's a flooding okay. going on, you know. Um, you know, now you, know, you see, you know, Disney Plus and you just see the last couple of weeks is just like Apple, Apple TV. Wars. I'm like, everyone's <laughs> streaming and, and the whole network's crashed. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? I'm just oh, like, yeah. ooh. You got Quibi coming up soon. Yeah, I'm Quibi, yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, it's, it's, it's the, like, we, we used to, a couple of years ago, we were like, oh, it's the Wild West. I'm like, now it's like the wild, right. wild West, yeah. you know. Um, I hope it doesn't become overwhelming and, and, it's a pendulum swing. It is. It is. This You're is what it is. Right. It, yeah. I think it's my opinion, but I think it's another pendulum swing, I and I, I'm not sure where it's going to swing back to. Is what I can't predict. But I, I mean, do it's think the web, it's, it's just... the same uh, thing that happened when you know web series became a thing. Right. There was a big swing, and everybody was making a web series, and then you had multi-channel networks pop up, exactly. and you had Machinima, and you had all these different companies and then they were like oh this is not sustainable yeah. And, yeah yeah but but it became a training ground for a lot of people and there was a lot of opportunity so i think i think uh, you're right there is that swing to we'll it see what happens with it you know i think it's it is that you know when people said like 10 years ago you know a web series we were like oh, you know it's gonna work on a web series <laughs> and, then, and then it became like this big thing and yeah. now it's gone away again you know i just think you're watching now there's a lot more money being thrown at it you know what i mean and now now you're watching big big but but what was box office money being thrown into uh the wild west we'll see what happens with it you know yeah yeah it's it's a cool time and it's an exciting time and for actors and any filmmakers it's such an exciting time to be in this business and across the board in terms of diversity and in terms of being a filmmaker and actor whatever it's like it's the doors are wide open right now it's really what i do believe and if there's anyone listening to this who's like doesn't feel like that's true for them like just just like i i always say just step outside for a minute make friends go and talk to people you know mm -hmm. um i say we're in we're in hollywood it's like the olympics of acting it's the olympics of filmmaking like like don't don't try and do it alone you know go out and find people who want to make movies with you there's no reason for you not to be working and i hear it all the time like like, well, it's easy for you to say because, you know, you've had this career. And I'm like, yeah, but I've also be, I'm the one that stepped out in front of the train like every single time I had a train coming. Like, <laughs> As like, a child, you yeah, were stepping you know, just, out in front just of the train. Please, please get out there. Get out there and create the content. Do the work, you know. Yeah. Don't pay your dues and do the work is the, like, the best thing I can say to everyone. And even to us old cranky old filmmakers, you know, it's the same thing. Go do dark web. Do a short film. Stay current. You know what I mean? Like say to a director tomorrow, I don't think you're right. I want Kimmy Shields. I'm not going with your version of it. Yeah. You know, and because that's how you make art. Absolutely. Contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can be, uh, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap this up, but where can, can people follow you online? Can they? So, yeah, so online, like Twitter is be my best. Okay. Like Twitter for me seems to be my, it's, it's become the machine. I, I, you know, I'm to follow and for me to pay attention. I'm very, I'm, Precious about Facebook. That's my family space. You know, yeah. I'm available on Facebook, but I'm not ava available. For, I don't want to see your show on my family right. page. Like, oh, there's us at Disneyland <laughs> and a production of The Messiah. Let me okay, make sure good. and tag Russell yeah, here. Like, make sure. I love it. It is like, 
you know, I don't know. Unless it's like Peter and the Wolf or something that I can bring my kids to. Yeah. Note, note. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Twitter, what's your, what's the So handle? Russell Boast. All right. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I think it's Russell Boast. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You'll find me. <laughs> you can find me. Um, and then lastly, where can we, uh, where can people find out more information about the CSI and these diversity programs and all this wonderful stuff that you're the doing? CSI, we wish we were the CSI. CSI. We, no, we wish we were the CSI. <laughs> like, in fact, here's, here's a fun fact for the world. Because CSI. we're becoming more international, we're talking about, we've been talking about like what we would call Casting ourselves. Society International. Right. And then, and then, and it came up and we were like, well, we would love to be CSI, but we're not going to be CSI. So we still, we still kind of talking about that. I think there's going to, it's, it's not too far off where we would just become the Casting Society because yeah. we are becoming an international organization. We are an international organization. We have a thousand members worldwide across, like across the globe, South Africa, all over the, the all over the world. So, so yeah, so we are that already, but, but the Casting Society of America.com, you can find out information there. And then the, the one for the training program is Casting Society Cares, which is our nonprofit division. Mm-hmm. You go to Casting Society Cares, you can find out about the training program, which for the actors listening, it's not for you guys. It's not for you. It's just for people who are interested in like 100% wanting to pursue a career in casting. It's not demystifying the casting process. There's other... other that's uh, this podcast. This, that, that's what, <laughs> yes, listen to this podcast. Everyone you haven't heard, you know, just listen to this. Um, but go to Casting Society Cares because we also do things like Heal the Bay and we do, we do a bunch of like, non, like, like uh, giving back kind of projects where we just invite whoever wants to come, come with us and, you know, packing... Christmas toy, packing toys for Christmas or giving, uh, pu- putting goods together for the homeless or whatever it is. Like that's a great community of all of us working together. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Cool. No problem. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Placing Faces. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share this episode. We would love for you to like us and we would like a thumbs up. Maria Perry, the greatest producer in the world to ever produce. Thank you so, so very much. Now a quick word from Miss Perry. Hi, I'm Maria Perry, the producer of Placing Faces, and I'm just popping in to let you know that you can now find and support Placing Faces on Patreon. This podcast is a labor of love, and that means our production cycles are slower than we'd like when our day jobs get in the way. We're hoping to be able to get one more person involved and make the editing process a little quicker. And when you support us, you can join the community that we're building. Find out who we'll be talking to next, submit questions, and vote in polls about upcoming episodes. So find us on Patreon or check our website for a link at www.placingfaces.com. Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs, connecting companies and creatives seamlessly. We would also like to thank our partners at the Casting Society of America, and congratulations to all of you Ardios Award nominees and winners if you're listening to this after the 30th. The Casting Society of America is a hub of information about this branch of the film industry. To learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit www.castingsociety.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, be well.